You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. The fast track to learning your style is to find what you like from other photographers, learn how to create that, and then do that for all the different photographers that you look up to. And eventually you'll start adding little bits and pieces of all these photographers that you've learned stuff from and you create your own style. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. This week, my guest is Jason Vinson, and he is an amazing wedding and portrait photographer who creates really unique, interesting, and just non-traditional portraits. Jason has mastered lighting in so many different difficult scenarios, and he actually thrives on lighting and composition when he's in a challenging situation. Jason talks with us about how he achieves his unique portraits, how he markets to clients so that his clients are booking him specifically because of his photography style, and how he just doesn't always go with the grain. Jason is so passionate about photography and weddings, and it was really great chatting with him about how he does it all. Okay, let's get started with Jason Vinson. Hey, Jason, how are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm wonderful. I think the last time... We saw each other was at Portrait Masters 2019, maybe? Uh, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was the first time we met in person. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, at George's Bar. Yep. I think that was right before I and I think I left the very next day. Yeah, cool. And then here we are, 2022. Gosh, I'm hoping we're going to actually have Portrait Masters this year. We'll see. Yeah, I hear that's the plan. It sounds like we are. But I, like every time I we think we're doing something, I'm always like, eh, maybe we should just wait and see, <laughs> like, <laughs> see what happens. You'll be at WPPI though, right? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Uh, I'll be at I'll be at WPPI this year, and I see that you're on the uh, list of speakers as well. So we'll we'll at least have that. Yeah, yeah. This will be my first time speaking at WPPI. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Very yeah. cool. I know they have me at the same time as Lindsay Adler and Roberto Valenzuela, and I'm like, really, you're going to do that to me? <laughs> like, I'm going to have an empty room. What? <laughs> yeah, I feel like that happens to me every year, and I'm not even worried about speaking to an empty room. It's just like there are talks that I actually want to go to. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, like, totally. Well, I obviously can't go to that because I have to do my own. Like, yeah, minimal that's such talk, a good point. <laughs> Roberto was one of the first people that I saw speak at WPPI in 2012. I believe was my first year going. And I learned so much from him, so much from him. And now I'm speaking at the same time as him, and I'm kind of really nervous, but whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. Okay, let's talk about you. So, Jason, for our listeners who don't know you, maybe just give a little bit of a summary of what your current business looks like. What do you shoot? That sort of thing. Okay, yeah. Um, so the majority of everything I do right now is wedding. And then I have like a side set of my business where I do education. So obviously I'm speaking at WPPI and doing some photo walks seminars there. And then, you know, I do like an online education type thing called Patreon. Are you familiar with that? I'm not. It's essentially kind of like a monthly payment thing. You pay like 10 bucks a month and I post videos and articles and stuff once or twice a month. And you just, it's like a subscription thing just to get access to premium content. Specifically for you, your content. Yeah, just it's it's only it's only for me, and it's you know like how I lit certain images or walkthroughs of lighting setups or editing walkthroughs and, and things like that. 
Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I haven't heard yeah. that. I'll have to look into it. Well, and one of the reasons I, I wanted to have you on, I mean, a lot of reasons I wanted to have you on, but I mean, most of what I see is your wedding work, but it's not, it's, I feel like it's just not the typical wedding work. It's really interesting. And the way that you, you know, find the light and change, you know, alter the light and, and just the way you see, I don't know, certain things that I feel like a lot of people would miss you like embrace it and find a way even in like a really crappy, ugly hotel room. sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. So that I feel like that's one of the main reasons people come to me education wise is to kind of learn, learn that process. Yeah. And yeah, it's just kind of one of my favorite aspects of photography is the lighting and composition and making something out of nothing, bringing ideas to life and things like that. And, and yeah, the, the not being traditional aspect. That's actually one of our taglines on our website is say no to traditional. Nice. And so we're definitely nice. not like your traditional wedding photographers. And so uh, that's just kind of the style and mindset that we've embraced. Yeah, it definitely shows. And I love that you're marketing that on your website too. Like you are marketing to your target clients because I have a feeling you you don't necessarily want someone who wants to be, you know, in a field of tall wheatgrass at golden hour with whimsical, you know, I have a feeling that's probably not your target client. (laughs) We're in that situation, but we're not giving you what you would traditionally get in that situation. (laughs) And granted, I love, okay, I should back up and say that I love tall wheatgrass in at golden hour. Like, right. I like drool over it and absolutely love it. So I wasn't trying to say that's a bad thing. I just feel like if I were to search for wedding photos on Pinterest, for example, you might see a lot of photos that look the same in tall wheatgrass. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and the cool thing about the way that we work is, you know, me and my wife always shoot together or most of the time uh, since we've had kids. She hasn't been shooting every single wedding with us. But in general, I always have a second photographer as well. And so you get like that traditional golden hour wheat shot. But then you also get one where I'm setting up like off-camera flashes or I'm doing something a little bit different compositionally and stuff. And so you get kind of get a little bit of both worlds. But we always err towards like the dark and dramatic instead of the light and airy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can always tell when I'm scrolling, I know it's your photo. Like as soon as I get to it, I don't even have to like look at your name. I just know it's you. Which yes, is I love that. That's like the photographer's awesome. dream. <laughs> yeah, totally. People say that to me as well. It always makes me feel really good. Like, okay, sweet. Awesome. <laughs> like I'm doing something right. But you haven't always, I mean, have you always been this great with light? <laughs> oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Take us back. Take us back to when you first started. Yeah. It, so it's funny. I've always been drawn to like the off-camera flash and like being able to alter your surroundings and stuff like that. And so even the very, very first wedding that we did, I had like the Paul C. Buff Einstein strobes with soft boxes and all kinds of stuff. And I had just way too much gear. Um, than what I needed or even knew how to use. But I'd always been drawn to having that ability. And then it just took a lot, a lot, a lot of practice and troubleshooting to kind of define what type of style I wanted to shoot with that. Because like you can shoot light and airy images with off-camera flash and stuff like that. But it took a lot, a long time to figure out how to see light. Um, that's okay. actually one of the things that I teach on my Patreon is I call it, it's like a series that I do called Seeing the Light. Um, but essentially how I learned how to light is I would walk around my house or just everyday life and find interesting light that I mm-hmm. liked and then would think to myself, how would I recreate that light if it wasn't there? And then learn how to make that with flash 
And then from there, how do I alter the flash in an, in, to make something a little bit more unique or different, but still kind of like the same lighting style or same interest that I initially saw, but something unique with it? I remember your posts of your kids where you were you were finding interesting light in your house with your kids. Was that during 2020? Maybe that was like early 2020 or something when I remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah, something similar to that. So the project you're talking about there is one that I did that I just called 50 Days of Quarantine. So it was right right around when quarantine hit. And so we had like the mandates, like the stay-at-home mandates and stuff like that. And so we were just stuck at the house. And so I literally just took 50 days of that and I documented my family for 50 straight days. And within that 50 days, my wife had our daughter. So we had there's a couple of days in there where we're at the hospital and stuff like that. But with that project, that's just how I generally shoot is I'm always looking for interesting light or interesting compositions. And so throughout the every 50, like every day of those 50 days, I had my camera near me, but I wasn't shooting all day, every day. I would just mm-hmm. wait until I saw something, some sort of interesting light or some sort of interesting composition or an interesting moment. And then I'd grab the camera. Yeah. I think this is really important for people to hear because I think sometimes when people are either just starting out or when they're just kind of in like a lull in their business or with their creativity or whatever, I think they think that it just maybe comes easily to other people or whatever, where here you are 50 days straight, you were challenging yourself to, and and you were already a seasoned veteran photographer at this point, and you were still every day. And and I'm not saying you, you know, still do this every day or whatever, but the need to practice and to continue to master our craft doesn't stop when we start booking clients, you know, and, and if you want to have (laughs) better skills and mastery, you've got to practice. You've got to continue to just master what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And along the same lines, like I actually give myself every year, a personal project that I do that's totally outside the realms of what I shoot for clients. And so like, obviously, like the 50 days of quarantine, I did that. Um, the year after I did another project where I did 50 days of spring, which is essentially the same idea, but we weren't in quarantine. So I just shot again for 50 straight days documenting my family. I gave myself the assignment to go shoot this like mountain bike event that was here locally that was like a, a big mountain bike race. And so I went and documented that. And here is in Arkansas, right? Yes. Yeah. So North, Northwest Arkansas. Most people know like the Fayetteville area, Bentonville area where Walmart headquarters is and stuff like that. Okay, gotcha. Okay, sorry. So you went and documented that and... Yep. Yeah. And so I I basically just try and give myself some sort of project. Another year I went and documented a motocross race and I grew up racing motocross, but I've never actually photographed it before. And so I thought it'd be something cool to do. And it's totally different than what I normally do. Normally I shoot like 24, I only have three lenses, 24 millimeter, 35 millimeter and 85 millimeter. And so with this motocross event, obviously I need something longer. So I rented like a 100 to 400 lens and and so like I'm shooting with equipment that I don't normally shoot I'm shooting something that I've never shot and so I'm just getting myself outside of my normal mindset so I have to start thinking about things a little differently and then taking little things that I learned how to do and trying to apply that to my person my actual paid work yeah yeah I love that and again I love that you're not like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, like you actually rented gear, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> I feel like it's so important to play around with new things and try new things instead of like, well, I've got this lens, so I'm shooting with this lens and or I'm going to buy it brand new, blah, blah. Like it's like play around, you know, just try new things and be interested and be curious. And it, it's how we just how we grow. So I love this. I love this. So as far as your 
your photography, I know you have your education side of your business and then you have like booking clients type business. Take us back to kind of when you first started. Did you first start as a wedding photographer when you started photography? Kind of. I mean, whenever we first started photography, we actually had no intentions of being photographers. So when me and my wife got married, we got at the t- what we thought was a really nice DSLR camera for our honeymoon. And whenever we got back from our honeymoon, one of my wife's friends liked the images we shared on Facebook and asked if we would take their family photos. And so we were like, oh, sure, that kind of sounds fun. So we went met in like a Target parking lot and like I would take pictures and then I'd give my wife the camera and she would take some pictures and we traded the camera back and forth. And we shared those images online and someone else asked us and then someone else asked us and then finally someone asked us to shoot a wedding. We're like, well, hold on, pump the brakes here. <laughs> um, so we talked about it a little bit and we're like, okay, yeah, this could be fun. And so we got another camera. And even for our first handful of weddings, like we had two Sony A900s, which was like, I think Sony's first full frame DSLR. We had a, like a cheap 50 millimeter lens and then a 24 to 70 and a 70 to 200. And that's all we had. And so like when we were shooting a wedding, one of us had to have the zoom lens and the other one had to have the wide lens. And so we would right. just trade lenses back and forth. And that's how we shot weddings for a while. Wow. And your wife's name is Chasney, right? Am I saying that right? Yeah, Chasney. Chasney. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but we had never intended on being photographers. Oh, like for a very long time, it was just a side hustle type thing. I was a full-time mechanical engineer and mm-hmm. she had her full-time job doing like sales and marketing and stuff like that. And we just did weddings on the side as something that was just kind of fun to do on the weekends. Interesting. And then at what point were, were you both like, okay, we're quitting our jobs and we're, we're making this happen? It became a point where I would, would go to work and I wished I could work on the wedding stuff. And so I was just falling out of love of the day job part and falling more in love with the photography aspect. Um, and then at the time, you know, we were doing a, a good number of weddings every year, and a lot of them were destination weddings. And so at the time, I was using all of my vacation days to shoot weddings. And I got the opportunity to go to India to shoot the Holy Festival for two weeks. Wow, that's incredible. And it was going to be like an all, all expenses paid thing where I got to go there and just document the Holy Festival for two weeks. And um, that's like a dream. Right. And and I had like a private guide and all kinds of stuff. And so, but I didn't have any vacation days. I didn't have, I couldn't go. So I put in a request at work to take time off without pay and they told me no. And so oh I, booked, I booked the trip and I put in my two weeks notice two weeks before my flight took off. Wow. That's incredible. I've been full time ever since. <laughs> I mean, God, can you imagine if you're if they had just given you the time off? It, do you think it would have propelled you to, you know, say screw it, I'm done? Uh, I feel like every person that has this like full time job where they're doing photography as a side hustle and they want to do photography full time, there's always like that breaking point. Mm-hmm. And so, if it wasn't India, I felt like I feel like it probably would have been something else. Yeah, but I'm I'm glad it happened when it did. Right. And then tell me about your, you know, when you first started, were you like charging good prices out the gate or no. did it take a while? I, the, yeah. very first, the very first wedding we shot for 500 bucks. And then I think from there, when we decided to actually start doing it, I actually did a little bit more research and charged a little bit more. But I think even then it was like $1,500 for a wedding. And we didn't know anything about like sales or back end print sales or anything like that. And so it was was one of those things that like, just over the years, we learned how to do it and learned better processes and took online classes and just constantly worked on growing not only our craft, but the business side as well. 
Yeah, yeah. Which was a good thing of that that it was a side hustle for a while because if it wasn't a side hustle right from the start, then our business would have just totally bombed. But we didn't have to be making a ton of money because it was just like it was just a for fun type of thing. And so we were able to kind of build up our knowledge and build how we did things until we actually needed to rely on it. Why do you think it would have bombed? What do you mean by that? Well, just just because at the time, like, I mean, you're not going to survive shooting weddings for $500. And so right. there was a lot of work that I needed to do education-wise of how to do things, how to run a business, how to market, how to price. And it just would have been a lot while also trying to book clients and stuff like that. Obviously, there you can do it and there's people that do it. And maybe if I didn't have a full-time job, I could have dedicated more time to actually getting those ducks in a row. Um, but being able to do that on the side while having a full-time job to rely on made it a lot less stressful, I feel like. Yeah, I, th- I, I know we have a lot of listeners who are in that situation where they still have this full-time job and they're doing photography on the side and trying to figure out, okay, when is the right time for me to to kind of make the leap and make it happen? And it's just every, every person that I interview has some sort of different aspect and what comfortable comfortability level of when it's okay to quit the job and everything. So I'm always just mm-hmm. so fascinated in, in, in the stories of how, you know, how people made it happen. So, okay, if you fast forward now for, let's just say for your wedding, do you, do you strictly do weddings when it comes to actual client, like photography clients? We do a little bit of everything like senior portraits, family shoots, some commercial work, real estate and stuff like that. But we don't advertise or promote anything but weddings really. Okay. So like if, if, if people just come to us and we're available to do something that's different than weddings, usually I'll, I'll only book that stuff like on a weekday or something like that. So I'm not mm-hmm. taking up either the chances of booking a wedding on a weekend or taking up one of the few free weekends that we have. Um, and so we'll, we'll still do a handful of stuff, but you won't find any of that like on our website or anything. So it sounds like you and Chasney both really enjoy weddings. Yes. I mean, I, I love weddings. Even in the future, like when our kids start growing up a little bit more and they have like, you know, sports that they're doing on weekends that I want to attend. I feel like eventually I'll cut back on weddings, but I feel like I'll I'll always have weddings that I want to do. It just might be less, but I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy shooting weddings. What is it about it that makes you love it? I'm just, I'm curious. (laughs) I'm so curious. (laughs) For me, it's the, like the unpredictability of it. Mm Mm-hmm. So I love the problem-solving aspect. Um, so my background is mechanical engineering. And so the reason why I loved that field of engineering and that type of work was just like the problem-solving. And so I get to take that into this like creative side. And it's also one of the reasons, so kind of going down a little bit of a tangent rabbit holes, I don't do any sort of like location scouting for weddings or engagement shoots or anything like that. I prefer to just kind of show up and see what I see. And so that helps with this like, problem-solving aspect. Like, I don't necessarily know what I'm going to do when portrait time starts. It's just walk outside and see what I see and then just kind of start walking and maneuvering around, you know, this little pocket of light that I see over here, or this composition that I see over here. Interesting. I feel like that would make so many people like break out into a cold sweat. <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend it for everyone. That's just what, that's just what I like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and the reason why I do it that way is because we used to location scout. And for me, the hardest thing to do was to have a picture in mind. And then when it came to portrait time, it's not actually possible to do like the lights changed or, you know, right. a caterer put a table in the way or something like that. And so 
I would always try and find a way to make it work and I'd spend too much time. Whereas if I showed up in the moment, I would have never even considered that area. But because I saw something there prior, I'm trying to make it work. Whereas now I just show up and I don't even consider anything that won't work. Yeah, that's a really good perspective to have because you're right. Like back when I did shoot weddings, that's I used to definitely lo- location scout because I just, I, I don't know, I, I'm better in predictability than mm-hmm. unpredictability. And exactly what you said, the light would change or something would have moved or happened and it just didn't always work out in my in my mind how I wanted it to. So yeah, that makes so much sense. So much sense. Now, as far as like pricing and, you, you know, do you do albums, products? What do your packages look like at this point? Yeah, so all of our packages come with an album. And the point of that is because we're going to upsell the album at the back end. And so like we have four different packages and they're essentially... It's like the amount of time that you need coverage-wise and then like an album credit, like your online gallery. Some, some packages include digital files. And yeah, but, but basically the, the main deliverable for us is the album. Okay. And so like last year at WPPI, I taught an entire class on like how to sell albums because we average probably around $2,500 or $3,000 in upgrade, like just an album upgrades for every single wedding. Nice. A couple months ago, we actually had an album upgrade that was right around $7,000. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So, what are your packet pricing wise? What do your packages start at? Or what's your kind of most popular package? So, our, our packages range from $2,500 to $7,000. Okay. And then from there, it's usually at around $2,500 to $4,500 in album upgrades on the back end. Wow, that's great. And then, and then prints and, and stuff like that as well. And then some packages don't include digital files. And so they'll add those on at the end, um, which is $1,500 add-on. And so that's kind of like a general range. Yeah. So you have a really nice um, average for shooting weddings. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. How many weddings do you tend to do per year? I don't really keep count, honestly. Uh, but usually it's like in the 25, the 20 to 25-ish range. Okay. All right. So as far as I want to talk a little bit more about your lighting and just how you get these interesting photos. And and I know a lot of our listeners are not wedding photographers or portrait photographers, but I want to I want to just talk a little bit about how all of this can apply to portraits and and creating unique images for clients. So I mean is is there any like specific, I guess recipe i know you said you're often you're just looking for the good light you're looking for it but like okay for example i saw on your instagram the other day you posted you were in a i think it was a hotel room there was that blue wall and you took a mirror off the wall and you like made a reflection and then it yeah, turned into this yeah. really cool that, like i guess maybe you could i'm wondering if you could just like walk people through the process of all of this okay yeah so that was actually the bride's like childhood bedroom so that Uh, she was getting ready at her parents house and so that was like that was her bedroom when she was living in that house and I guess the the idea here is that you know the bride's getting ready and I'm always like on the lookout for some sort of portrait that I can do so a little aside we have like on our general wedding day timelines we have like portrait time but then I also have what I call portrait breakout sessions. And it's basically my fancy way of letting the couple know that at some point during the day, I'll probably pull you away from what you're doing to take a random portrait, just if I have the idea to do something or I'm inspired to do something. Um, and so when we we're in that room, as she was getting ready, 
I noticed that there was just like this big blank blue wall. So I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool color. Um, she had this like green, um, it was a, um, an Indian wedding. So she had this like green Indian dress with a bunch of sparkles, which kind of goes with the blue. And so I was trying to think of something interesting to do, do with that. And I had just recently recorded an episode for my Patreon for that seeing the light thing where I reflected light off of a mirror. Um, and so I just happened to see a mirror in her bathroom and realized that it was just hanging there so you could take it off the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just had someone hold that mirror and then I shined a light into the mirror and it bounced off the mirror, creating the pattern of the mirror on the wall, just to, something to add interest to the image. So it's just not like her posing against a blue wall. Right. There's something interesting that kind of draws you into the frame. I feel like so much of this could be utilized for regular, you know, regular quote unquote portraits where it's like, you know, even the way you said you market it, if you don't want the traditional wedding photos, like people I feel like could also market it if you don't want the traditional portraits. Like if you want to stand out in your, you know, let's say for business owners, if you want to stand out when it comes to LinkedIn portraits or your website photos or, you know, to stand out from the crowd, like I'm your photographer kind of thing, like for something unique and interesting or same with family photos. Like if you don't want the everyday, you know, photos that you see come in on every Christmas card, like I'm your guy or I'm your girl. You know, I feel like this could be utilized, this whole mindset and the whole marketing with unique light, creating these different types of portraits could be, you know, for any genre, really. Yeah, totally. And I, and I draw a lot of inspiration from portrait photographers because they have, portrait photographers generally have a lot of time to like, get setups that are like like they're in a studio so they can set up a bunch of lights and like get these fancy gobos and projection lenses and stuff like that and i don't necessarily have that that flexibility on a wedding day like a lot of times i have maybe five minutes to do portraits or if it's one of these like portrait breakout things i maybe have one minute to you know pull them out take a take a photo and then let them get back to what they're doing and so i look for inspiration from these portrait photographers and try and think how i can do what they're doing but very quickly And so I have a lot of like just inspirations that I see where, you know, things have to line up perfectly in order to achieve it on a wedding day. Um, But once I see that specific like recipe line up on a wedding day, I know, oh, that's the, that's the image that I'm going to take today. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy. I, when I, when I think back to doing weddings, like you said, it makes it so much more, I I guess I don't want to use the word complicated, but the pressure's on because like you said, you don't have a whole lot of time. Yeah. And even the time you have, you, you don't have it. Like everything's always running late. (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. I remember that. Oh man. There, there was the last wedding that I did. No, no. Second to last wedding I did. No, maybe I'm trying to think, wait, let me think. This was September of 2016. I had just had my son and he, he was in the NICU for a month when I had him. Like it was just, I wanted to be with him all the time. And I had this wedding and I was in the process of phasing out weddings. So it was like one of my last ones. Anyway, it was one of those weddings where I was supposed to be done at 930 and at 925, they hadn't even started like first dance, toast, nothing. And I'd already been away from my newborn for like 12 hours and I was panicking and it was awful. It was awful. And it was like the one wedding that went the the longest behind on schedule that you could ever imagine. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it was absolutely horrible. Yeah, I, get, I, we, I give a, a lot of credit to wedding photographers. It's it's not easy. Yeah, we had a wedding uh, in 2020 where we were supposed to have this like, we were supposed to have two hours. We were going to go 
all these like crazy awesome downtown areas for portraits and we had like the two hours of portrait time and the wedding was supposed to start at 1 p.m and the bride had even finished her makeup at 1 p.m wow and i think we ended up being like two and a half hours behind oh, and so we literally gosh. lost the entire two hours of portrait time and i think we got like we got them to meet at one downtown area and we had five minutes <laughs> wow wow like let's say you're in a downtown area and you're walking around what like lights you up like what like literally i guess that's funny it's like light you yeah up. what literally, what gets the, you, literally the light yeah, what gets you excited what do you see that you're like oh damn this is where i'm this is where i'm shooting i mean it's, it's always for me light and composition so i'm always looking for interesting light the way light hits like the mirrored windows of a building and like reflects down onto a street. And so you get these like little pockets of light that have like a texture to them. Um, or like the way shadows light... shadows and yeah. contrast? Okay. Yeah. And then the way like light, uh, you'll get like a strip of light that's like coming between buildings. And then also like clean compositions. So like a big blank wall where I can frame a couple or do some sort of like off-camera lighting something in an area. I'm always looking for interesting light and then clean areas to frame my couple. Okay, that makes sense. So tell people what you mean when you say off-camera lighting and tell people what um, what equipment you're using mostly. Okay, yeah. So uh, like off-camera lighting, so like off-camera flashes, constant lights, things like that. And I use a little bit of both. And so my main lighting kit right now is for constant lights. I have the Stella Pro Lights. It's called the Reflex S. Mm -hmm. um, and it's basically like a constant flash hybrid light. And then for like off-camera flashes, I have the Flashpoint Evolve 200 Pros. And then for like a big light, I have an Elenchrome ELB 500 TTL pack and head system that, I'll, that I take with me. And so I have those three lights for different situations. Like my Stella Pro lights, the constant light I basically use for all of the like getting ready type stuff. Um, and then maybe like speeches at the reception. Uh, my Flashpoint Evolve 200 Pros I use for some portrait stuff as well as all of the like reception stuff. So like dancing and first dances and stuff like that. And then my um, Ellen Chrome ELB 500 TTL pack and head system I use for like portraits because it gives me enough power where I don't necessarily have the luxury of shooting at golden hour for every single wedding. And so I need something that has some power that I can over overpower the sun uh, right. if I need to shoot at like 2 p.m. or something like that. Okay, and then talk to us about composition, because you said that a couple times, that a lot of this is about composition. Are you, you know, I guess, what are your sort of strategies to make sure that you have an interesting viewpoint, I guess? So when I, whenever I came up, uh, whenever I was like learning photography, one of my go-to like educators was Zach Arias. Mm -hmm. So he was like one of the big time, you know, YouTube and he had a bunch of blogs and like education courses and stuff like that. And one of the main things that he would always talk about is, and he does mo mostly portraits, but he would always say head in a clean spot. And so that's really, that's what I'm always looking for is I want my couple to be in a clean spot, no matter how complicated or cluttered the area is, I always want them to be in some sort of clean spot. So I'm always looking for, you know, like a clean wall or, a clean section of sky or things like that. <laughs> it's so funny that you said sky because I'm looking at your Instagram right now and I'm I just landed on it as soon as you said sky is this photo of this guy he's like out on a log and he's holding his fiance I believe it is like she's hanging in from this 
in the sky. Yeah, that's on their wedding day. But like part of what what they did before they like started getting ready is them and their whole family like went to the beach and went like a little walk along the beach. And so that's a big log that's like sticking out of the sand. I mean, it's just it's the cool. This it's just really cool. <laughs> and you can Thank you. you know clearly they're positioned in the blue sky with the clouds around them. So like like you said, head in the clean spot. Like it, yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. And and, and that, I feel like that's something that you'll probably see in the majority, at least especially the stuff that I actually share, is that in general, everyone's kind of like in some sort of like clean spot, even if it is a cluttered situation. Right. I'm such a fan of clean spots. I'm always looking for like the clean anything. Okay, so when we say clean, to me that means, like you said, no clutter, not a whole lot of pattern. Although sometimes pattern can be good if it's a clean pattern. <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to think of like how best to describe. Like, are, would it be fair to say it's things that aren't necessarily competing with your subjects? Yeah, just I don't want anything that's like running through them. So like even like branches or like frames or just anything in general, I'm trying to always frame them in a clean spot so that there's not any any sort of, I don't want any sort of like lines going through the outline of them. Right, right. That makes sense. Unless it's intentional because it's a pattern. Because I noticed right. you do have some of that. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. All right. So let's talk a little bit about marketing because I know you said you have it on your website and that sort of thing. It's for non-traditional I mean, what advice would you have for people who are who are maybe thinking like, okay, I kind of want to be this really interesting, unique portrait photographer, and I want to attract the type of clients who want interesting, unique photos. So what advice would you have for people around that? You know, and I feel like all photographers have like their unique voice, mm-hmm. but I think it's just finding out what it is that you love to shoot. And for me, it was that kind of like unique lighting, unique composition that I like, like the very bold colors and stuff like that. And then figuring out who else does that and try and learn from them. Um, yeah, so like yeah. coming up, I'm, I'm big into, uh, I was very big into like the fearless photographers community. Yes. And so a lot of the people that are in that community shoot similar to how I do, where it's like, you know, very bold and dynamic lighting and interesting compositions and stuff like that. And so I learned a lot from certain photographers that I enjoyed what they did. And I essentially bend and molded different aspects of different photographers into my own style. Yeah, I love that you said that. Because I, it it is important. I mean, I think it's important, obviously, to, you know, not always be focused on what other people are doing. But it is so it's so great to draw inspiration from other people. And of course, you need to be yourself and make things new, unique and, you know, from others and that sort of thing. But wow, there are so many photographers around us who we can learn from. And it and, you know, obviously, this this platform was built with Sue Bryce and her style sort of thing. But she is such a proponent of people just finding their own style. You don't have to shoot like Sue, you know, in order to be like part of our community or whatever. Like there are just so many different ways to be a photographer. And and if you can just draw inspiration from people around you and then make it your own, you know, with a, a different sort of spin on it, you're just, you're in good shape. Yeah. I always tell newer photographers that like the fast track to learning your style, because everyone always says, you know, like find your style, find your style, but people don't necessarily know how to do that. Mm -hmm. The fast track to doing that is to find what you like from other photographers, learn how to create that, and then like literally copy it, like learn how to make it for yourself the exact way that they did it. 
And then do that for all the different photographers that you look up to. And eventually you'll start adding little bits and pieces of all these photographers that you've learned stuff from and you create your own style because you're, you're taking, you know, the way this person lights and adding it to the way this person does compositions, adding it to the way this person uses color and you create your own style that way. Oh, absolutely. I can think of like back to talking about Roberto Valenzuela. He, I learned from him shooting outdoors, like st- when I'm in harsh light, stand in the shadow, stand in the direction of the shadow. And that has stuck with me my entire career. But then when it comes to capturing expression and posing, I learned from Sue, you know, it just, you mm-hmm. learn just so much. And then, and then you, like you said, you, you make it your own and everything just comes together. And, and I know, so for people listening who are still kind of trying to like find their style, what you said before is really important. What what do you want to shoot? What makes you excited? What makes you happy? You know, is it bold colors? Is it clean lines? Is it just, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever that is, it's just think about what are the shoots that you like die to do that you just love to do? Or what is it that you're seeing that other people are doing that really draws you in and start paying attention to those things, save those images in a folder and go back and look at what are the consistent things that you love. And yeah. Yep, absolutely agree. And for me, like doing that with other genres of photography and trying to mold that into weddings helps define helps separate you from other wedding photographers because a lot of wedding photographers shoot weddings like other wedding photographers. But if you can take aspects of like creative fine art portraits or you know like these creative shoots and mold those into the way you do weddings, um, then you have kind of like a unique voice within within a different genre. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we talk a lot about being the photographer that people want to book. You know, what can set you apart? And whether that's through service or through the way your images look. I mean, there's and this is this really is another way of of having a unique, you know, these unique perspectives and, you know, being not quote, not unquote, non-traditional. It's it is Mm -hmm. it's a way for you to be the photographer that certain people want to book. So, yeah, very, very cool. Where do you see your business going from here? I know you said weddings are your jam and that sort of thing, but, you know, where do you see yourself going from here? That's a good question. I know as our kids get older, I'm going to want to spend, be able to have like more free weekends. And so I'm not sure what that looks like. I know it'll end up being taking less weddings. I still for sure always want to shoot weddings, but I'm not sure what's going to fill that gap yet. I have been, really interested in like, you know, like the studio style portraits and stuff like that. I dabble in them a little bit, but I've never actually shot a bunch of clients like that outside of maybe just like your traditional headshots for a plastic surgeon or something like that. But Mm -hmm. I feel like I could see myself going that route to kind of fill in the gaps of weddings that, you know, that I cut from the books, but I haven't made any sort of like definitive this is the path I'm taking. I'm kind of just kind of going with the flow. Yeah, seeing where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. What are you speaking about at WPPI this year? So I'm teaching a seminar that's about like doing a session from start to finish and kind of talking about like the workflow. So I'll talk a little bit about like how I approach shoots, a little bit about lighting, a little bit about like the back end work as far as uh, you know, like backing up images and keeping files safe. Uh, and then all the way into like a little bit about sales and stuff like that. So it's kind of like a little bit of the whole entire process for a shoot. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. And then I'm teaching, I'm doing 
I'm leading two photo walks with WPPI. Basically, both of them are about like finding and creating interesting light. Yes. Um, and then I'm doing three more photo walks with Stella Pro Lights. And then I'm doing a couple talks at the Rangefinder Roundtable thing that they have going on. Oh my gosh, you're going to be busy. That's a lot. <laughs> In a couple days. Jeez. If I'm going to be away from the family for an entire week, I'm going to I'm going to get some work done. <laughs> yeah, no. I I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'm just doing I'm doing the one talk. It's about how to build a successful portrait business and then I'm recording a, a podcast every day while I'm there. So that'll oh, cool. be interesting. I'll be interviewing, yeah, people walking around and guests and that sort of thing and I'm feeling like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to be so busy." And then you just told me your schedule and I'm like, "Huh." <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, going on a photo walk with you, especially the light ones, that sounds really cool. So I hope people, are you already sold out for those? So I, the very first one sold out really fast. Um, and then there, I kept getting messages about people asking if I was going to add another one. And so there was enough demand that I emailed Arlene and I was like, hey, if you have any spaces available, I keep getting messages of people trying to sign up for another one. And so they yeah. they just added the second one last week. Oh, cool. But I don't know if it's sold out or not. I've never been able to like see that status. I don't know where to look for it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if you're going to WPPI, I cannot recommend enough going on a photo walk with you and listening to your talks, of course, but yeah, very cool. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. And then the Stella ProLights one, I, uh, they haven't told me yet how people are going to be able to sign up for that, but I'll be sharing that on Instagram and stuff like that whenever, whenever I figure out the details. Cool. All right. Awesome. Well, I do have a couple more questions that I always ask at the end of each episode. And I'm starting with a question that I usually don't start with, but I really have to know because on your website, it said that you're a beer snob and I am too. <laughs> so I need to okay. hear what is your like go-to. Really any sort of IPAs, but as of Same. the last like, year, I've been super into hazy IPAs. Same. Same. Yeah. I'm all about the hazy IPAs as well. Yeah, and I and I don't love all IPAs. There's a local brewery that's like in all of the restaurants, and I feel like their IPA is garbage. And so I'll even I'll order a Bud Light over their IPA sometimes at a restaurant. But <laughs> so <laughs> but funny, yeah. I'm the same with IPAs. Oh my god, I'm such a beer snob. <laughs> like I love when they let me taste things first. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Uh, question number one is: What is something you cannot live without when you're doing a photo shoot? I don't know. I guess just like my camera. I don't know. <laughs> but I know like I know most people, so most people would guess that my answer would be off-camera flash because I do use a good amount of off-camera flash, but I'm actually a very big proponent on giving myself limitations so that I can like force myself to grow. So I'll go to photo shoots and intentionally leave gear behind that I feel like I'm starting to rely on too much. And mm -hmm. so like if I've done a ton of off-camera flash stuff lately, I'll just leave it at home and the shoot I go to, I have to use natural light. Oh my gosh. Or if I find that I'm using a lot of natural light, I'll force myself. I have to use some sort of flash for every single image that I take on this shoot. And I'll do the same thing with like lenses. So for the longest time I had, you know, like 24 to 70, 70 to 200, the 105, the 35, the 50, the 135. And so I just had like so many lenses. And so then I went, for I think almost five years where literally the only two lenses I had were a 35 millimeter and 85 millimeter. And then just recently in 2020, um, I added the 24 millimeter to my, to my kit. A prime. And to make yeah. myself learn how to use that to the best of my abilities, that 50 days of quarantine project that I did, mm -hmm. I actually shot the entire thing only on the 24 millimeter. So I wow. made myself use that one wide angle prime lens for the entire 50 days. 
Wow. That's impressive. So you you like give me anxiety just like listening to how you <laughs> like your process. I'm like, oh, God, no, thank you. <laughs> I like my predictable little space. <laughs> That's how you build your, your toolbox is you yeah, force yourself to learn, learn new things so that when you get into a situation where you're like, oh, crap, I don't know what to do. Like you have this like toolbox that you get to reach into and pull ideas from. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Okay, number two is how do you spend your time when you're not working? With the family, uh, go to the lake, go on walks. Been playing a lot of Uno. All right, like if it's just me and I'm going to go like kill 30 minutes, I'll ride my one wheel around the neighborhood or something. Uh, A little bit of mountain biking and stuff like that. Yeah, very cool. Okay, number three, what is your favorite inspirational quote? So going back, I actually stole this from Zach Arias, who we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. But I've always, it's, it's like the very first quote that comes to mind whenever people ask me this, but it's from Isaac Newton. And it's, if I have seen further than others, it is by standing upon the shoulders of giants. Mm, nice. I noticed that about you. Like you're not afraid to credit that you've learned a lot from other people, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, because I, I have, like, I, yeah, we all have, but some people won't admit it. Everything that, everything that I know at some point has been in some shape or form pulled from someone else. Yeah. And so like every, everything that I do is because I've learned it from someone else and been able to apply that to the way I do things. It seems like you're very humble in that way. Not a lot of, not a lot of people, you know, some people are not. <laughs> so <laughs> that's refreshing. Okay, um, number four, what would you say to people who are just starting out? You know, for me, like if I were to go back to when I was just starting out, I spent a lot of time in the craft of photography and not a lot of time in the business side of photography. And so I would recommend trying to at least have a healthy balance as far as that goes. Obviously, because I had a full-time job at the time, I didn't need to spend a ton of time on the business aspect of it. But had I spent more time on the business side, I would have been just a little bit more equipped whenever I made the decision to go full time, or I would have been able to make that decision a little bit sooner. And then even now, like I'm still learning new ways of doing SEO and website work and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so just being able to spend a little bit more side outside of the actual craft and then just always be learning. Like if you feel like you're comfortable in what you're doing, make yourself do something else so that you can take what you learn doing something else and apply it to what you do every day. And that's just another way to help build your style and define your uniqueness. Such solid advice. It really is solid advice. I even, sometimes when I interview people who, who went to a university for photography school and got a degree in photography, they come out of it and they say, I had no idea how to run a business. <laughs> I, I just, I think it's so important. Like whoever you decide you're going to learn from, (laughs) you know, make sure that this person that you're learning from knows also how to run a business. You know, we've got to, like you said, we have to choose our creative mentors, our business mentors, find a business model that works for us, you know, and make it our own. And we don't have to recreate the wheel either with, with business stuff. Like it's all there for us. We just have to do it. You know, we don't need to, you know, start from scratch and build brand new. Like, it's all there for us. We just have to look for it. Exactly. And, and it's the same thing as like what I was talking about earlier, where you're kind of like cherry picking your favorite aspects of the way someone shoots and mm-hmm. making it like using it to define your style. 
do that with business. Like cherry pick who's the best SEO person and use that. And then cherry pick who's the best at album sales and use what you like about that. Totally. Or maybe learn how four different people use album, do album sales and mold those four different things into the way you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to necessarily be a fast track to how to define your style, but it could be a fast track to how to, you define your business and how you define your brand and how you define the way you the way you do things. Yeah. I remember when I the first couple times I went to WPPI, my goal for each speaker that I went to was to take one like sort of golden nugget from each person. Mm-hmm. And also I'm not I'm not a super good student. I'm like squirrel. You know, I have a really hard time sitting and listening to someone for an hour. I'm all over the place. My brain is going a mile a minute. Like I've just never been the good kind of sit in the front row kind of student. It's just not me. I'm in the back so I can stand up, (laughs) go to the bathroom. You know how it goes. Anyway, my point is, is every speaker that I saw, I would think, okay, what is the one golden nugget that I'm going to walk away from today? And it was like, Mm -hmm. I feel like all of those years, plus all of my education from Sue, it was, it's just all such a combination of taking certain aspects from, from certain things and then creating it all into my own. And now I get to teach people how I've done it, you know? So it's just, it's cool how it yeah. all comes for full circle. And it sounds like you're experiencing the exact same, like we might be in similar situations because you're now moving yeah. into the education field and all of that. Totally. And then when you go into the education field, you're not regurgitating everything that you learned from, you know, instructor A. You're mm-hmm. you're taking everything that you've learned from all these different resources right and teaching how you've made something for yourself exactly and so you have your own unique voice you know outside of the actual craft you have your own unique business voice your own unique way of selling albums and things like that totally very cool well thank you where can people find you online if they're looking for you yeah so on uh you know most of the time i'm sharing stuff on instagram it's at Vincent Images underscore Jason. If you find at Vincent Images, that's actually my wife. So go ahead and follow that one as well. And then um, I'm doing, you know, education stuff on Patreon. You can find that through Instagram as well. And then, you know, we're on all the other like Facebook and stuff like that. But really, it's it's Instagram and uh, and Patreon. Awesome. And then obviously, you can find our website, which is VincentImages.com. Very cool. Well, thank you, Jason. Thank you for sharing everything. And yeah, it's great to talk to you. And I will see you in a couple weeks at WPPI. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. I should probably try and work on my presentation. Uh, You and me both. (laughs) You and me both. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, I know what I want to say. Like, I'm, it's like the practicing of it I don't love and the writing it all down that I don't love, but I know it's in my brain. It's just getting it into a keynote. Yeah, I need to figure out because I had initially pitched this idea for like a like one of their like half day or full day classes that they offer. And so it got picked up as an hour and a half seminar. So I'm trying to figure out how to do it as like a seminar when initially when I pitched it, it was supposed to be like a hands on thing. So that's going to be fun. Yeah, very cool. Awesome. (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you again. And we'll chat soon. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. I'll see you soon. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-Day Startup Challenge, plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business. 
lighting PDFs, I mean truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. 